This week, I had a really cool opportunity to hear an amazing story uh, from uh, two ladies that are here, uh, a part of Mercy Road. One of those names is uh, Tenoria Eskew, who uh, is, she runs a lot of the stuff with all of our uh, stuff in the hospitality stuff. She was also on Master Chef, and she's so awesome. And she's sitting right over there. And, uh, and I also got to talk with Christina Huffines, who's sitting right there, who leads an amazing outpost, an amazing ministry called Dotted Line Divas. And uh, I'm going to tell you her story in a minute, but the, what it did for me talking to, to Christina this week is it helped me realize that so often in life, we all live with what I'm calling a deficit of imagination. We, we can't imagine our life looking much differently than it does now or much different than the life we've seen lived around us or we've grown up in. And it's not necessarily that we wouldn't want our life to look different. It's not that we wouldn't maybe even take a risk to do life differently. The problem is we're stuck in a place where we just can't imagine life being much different. So Christina's story, she, she, she told this week, and if you were listening to, to maybe Radio Theology this morning, you, you maybe heard it because we, we, we shared it on this week's broadcast, is, is Christina got to a place in her life where she was in an imagination deficit. She couldn't imagine her life being much different than it was, and it wasn't moving in a great trajectory. She was having struggles even making ends meet. She's trying to, to, to make sense of life, and she's, she's having to visit different food pantries and things to, to, to make things work week in and week out. And she was just moving through and, and trying to work her way through a divorce in, in her life. And, and it was just that things were bad, and she couldn't really imagine them getting better. She couldn't imagine being a part of something that would affect the lives of thousands of people. And then she came to Mercy Road and she met a man named Jesus. Christina says that Jesus began to, to change her imagination of what that could look like. She connected in community with, with Tenori and other folks. And, and, they, and they just began to, to say, you know what? What has God given me? And Christina has an amazing ability to be an extreme couponer. I didn't know what that was until this week. Okay, But evidently, Christina has the ability to get like 6,000 tubes of toothpaste and Kroger Pacer for it. I don't know how it works, but she does it. So she said, Jesus, I don't have an imagination for this, but would you expand my imagination of how I could be meaningful, how I could join this revolution of faith and hope and love you began 2,000 years ago and use who I am and what I can do? Because what she could have done is what many people do is say, well, you know, I need the money and I've got the ability to do this, so I'm just going to have 6,000 tubes of toothpaste for my own teeth, which would have been okay. But see... Jesus began to expand her imagination where she began to think, I wonder if there are other ladies in other families right now that are at the place I was years ago. And I wonder if I could take my ability of extreme couponing and I wonder if I could begin to actually expand their imagination for the fact that there are people that love them and would serve them and be there for them. And Dotted Line Devos was started. And now they're getting ready to open a whole new location of a big warehouse type thing where they have thousands and thousands of items to serve the needs of thousands and thousands of people who are at a place right now where they need to know that someone practically loves them. And now through Christina's life and through Dotted Line Divas, they're going to be joining the revolution of faith and hope and love that Jesus began and changing people's imaginations for how God may love them. That's in our community here. And I think it's stinking awesome, right? Yeah, give it up. Absolutely. So awesome, Christina. So what's your story and how will it change? And can you even imagine it being any different? 
And see, the struggle within the church is I believe we actually have a deficit of imagination of what it even looks like in the church, okay, to be the church or, or to discover who we're born to be, as we talked about last week. If you missed last week's sermon, not just because I gave it, because it's kind of foundational for you to understand a lot about your life, you need to go back and listen to last week's sermon so you get caught up. You'll be glad you did, okay? Just go to mercyroad.cc. You can download it, watch it. You'll be glad you did. And then this, this week will make a lot more sense. But... One of the issues we have in the church that really shows our deficit of imagination is the fact that um, I used to preach sermons about what's called the Pareto Principle, right? The 80-20 Principle. Have you heard of that before? Okay. The 80-20 Principle is this, that 80% of the work in a church is done by 20% of the people. 80% of the money given in a church also done by 20% of the people. And years ago, I would preach sermons about this, about the 80% of you that are just sitting here doing nothing and giving nothing. And I would use my ability to persuade and to influence and inspire through, through communication to make you feel guilty about that fact. You know, maybe we'd show a video of a kid, like right now back in the nursery, like with no one to hold it, right? Like, ah, <laughs> crying, you know, it's like, look at this baby. It's not been held for six years. It changed, the diaper's not been changed forever. You lazy bum, go back and be in the children's ministry, right? And you'd feel guilty and go, fine, I'll go old babies, right? And so we would do that, try to get people to volunteer. And then I began to study more of the word of God and I realized something. Every church in America has exactly what they think they need to be the church they are. And here's how this works. The reason the 80-20 principle is a reality in churches is because we've only given recognition or only have an imagination for 20% of the body of Christ to function. Let me break it down for you like this. Last week, we talked about these five functions within the kingdom of God that we're going to unpack today again in Ephesians chapter 4. They are apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. Five roles. You are one of those, and you've been given, you've been created by God to live into that reality, not just at church, but in your professional life as well. And I failed math twice in college, but I think I can do this one. If everybody gets a 20% share in the fund, you've got Apostles, prophet, man, shepherd, 20, 40, 60, 80, 100. If we actually had an imagination of all the functions of the church working, 100% of the people would find an expression of themselves within the body of Christ. But right now, we only have permission or even imagination for 20% of the body to work. They're the pastors. Like if I were to say, what would a prophet do here at Mercy Road? Most of us would go, I don't really have an imagination for what a prophet would do at a church. That sounds weird. It's Old Testament stuff. I don't read it a lot. Wacky, right? What role does the evangelist have here at Mercy Road? I don't know. I'm not Billy Graham, and I'm not taking a bullhorn down to Broad Ripple to yell at people, right? Like we can't, we, we can't imagine it. So if we can't even imagine what our role would do within the local church, and we are that role, we're in trouble, aren't we? And we're going to stick with 20% of the people getting to play and 80% of them sitting around going, I guess I kind of feel guilty. I'll do something. But what if we could expand our imagination? And not just to imagination, but the reality today. And by the end of the day, you would be one step closer to knowing who you were born to be, to step into that. And what could happen if 100% of the body of Christ began moving together rhythmically, united, interdependently to actually see things that are on God's heart and on his mind right now join the revolution that Jesus started 2,000 years ago? Maybe the church would go in maturity and influence, and it would stop being something that's on the outskirts of, uh, of, of the town, outskirts of culture, and begin to shape and form and recreate the future that's on God's heart. 
That's my hope. And that's my passion. And I hope it becomes yours. Jesus, speak to us as we get into the word right now. Open our minds. Expand our imagination. Light a fire in us, God. To not just live our life, waste our life, but to have the courage and the imagination to become who we were born to be. In Jesus' name, amen. You have a calling. Just a little review from last week if you missed it. We're going to read Ephesians chapter 4 and, uh, and get this, our minds around this because it's an uncompromising commitment to fulfill our God-given calling that is going to actually develop our character and create true community in the body of Christ. It's what Paul unpacks right here in Ephesians chapter four. Remember from last week, he's writing to everyone in the church of Ephesus. This is not for the leaders. This is not for the special people. This is for everyone. Notice how many times he says all or each one because he's talking to all of us and he says this. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. We spent 35 minutes last week talking about that. If you missed it, go watch it. You, every one of you, have been called by God to do something, to become something. Are you living a life worthy of that calling? Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourself together with peace. For there is only one body and one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. Notice how much all, all there is and how much oneness there is. Your uniqueness is only really special and fulfilled when it finds its purpose in, 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 in connection within all of us. And it's as we learn to be interdependently connected that way that great things happen. So he's talking about all, he's talking about one, and then he goes back to the individual and he says, however... He has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That's why the scripture says, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captive and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so he might fill the entire universe with himself. That is a confusing three, script, three verses right there. If any of you at the end of the day discover that you are given a role to be a teacher in the kingdom of God, you can get into that three verses right there for the next six months and blow your mind of how huge that three scriptures, three verses I just read is. That's immense what that just said. The implications of it, dig into it if that's your deal because you're gonna love it. So he says this. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we'll no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his church, his body, the church. 
He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So good. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. So let's unpack this. Who were you born to be? You were born to be like Jesus. That's the core of everything we're learning. Everything we're talking about today and last week is very Jesus-centric. He's the center of it. Who you were born to be is, is, is encapsulated in Jesus Christ and how he lived and led and who he was. Because he is the ultimate expression of every one of these roles we're going to unpack. So if you want to discover a model, if you want to see the, the, the archetype of, of, of who God created you to be, you just need to study the life of Jesus and how he was the ultimate apostle, the ultimate prophet, the ultimate evangelist, the ultimate shepherd, and the ultimate teacher. Let's unpack that just a little bit. Here's a, couple, here's a scripture for each one of these. This is not exhaustive. We could spend a lot of time going through all the scriptures that really unpack who Jesus is in this. But he's the ultimate apostle. Hebrews 3 says, Therefore, holy brothers who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, the apostle and high priest, from whom we confess. He's the ultimate prophet. Acts 3 says, For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like, like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. Jesus is the ultimate evangelist. Jesus, speaking of himself in Luke 4, says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's appointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus is himself, not only was he bringing the good news, but he was by his life the good news. He's the ultimate evangelist. He's also the ultimate shepherd. It says in 1 Peter, right? For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. John 10, Jesus also impacts that he is the good shepherd. We see that continually throughout his ministry. Jesus is also the ultimate teacher. He says in John 13, 13, you call me teacher and Lord and rightly so, for that is what I am. He was a rabbi. You knew as we, if you study his, his life, as he taught with authority that no one else on earth ever had. He is the ultimate teacher. Now, as we move forward to understand our pursuit of who we were born to be, we have to understand, in my opinion, that this changes the way we see what it means to become like Christ. I think often we, we boil this down to, so if you say, you know what, I need to be more like Jesus. What that means for most people I talk to is I need to be a better person. I need to be more moral. I need to be a good citizen. And we break down what does it mean to follow Jesus and be more like him. It's I'm just a good Christian, which means I don't like, you know, cuss or chew or date girls that do, right? It's like I do these things to make me a great moral person. And if I'm moral and I'm good, then I'm becoming more like Jesus. Except I don't think that God sent his son to earth to live and to die and to come back from the dead. Like that scripture that I read there in Ephesians 4, it didn't say that Jesus did this, that he ascended. He descended the lower regions and ascended to fill the world with people who try to keep the rules and are pretty moral. Because see, when that's my goal, when becoming like Jesus is just me becoming a better citizen, my life is actually spiritual narcissism and not revolutionary servanthood. Let 
But see, if I say, if I have a role to play, I'm an evangelist, a, a, a prophet, an evangelist, a shepherd, or a teacher, and I got to figure out which one of those I am. And when I live that, I become more of who I was created to be, and I look more like Jesus and how he did that role on the earth. My focus is becoming like him in the outward expression of moving forward, of actually serving, of, of expanding my imagination, of how I'm making an impact in this world. And as I'm moving forward to do great things and imagine great things and be more of who I was called and created to be. It's not that I'm not moral. It's not that I'm not a good citizen. It's that that's the, 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 the like outworking of it. Because what happens is I get so involved and so excited about becoming more like Jesus in the expression of my gifts and abilities and who he's created me to be that the sin and the morality, immorality and the other stuff that I was involved in, it just starts to become boring and below me because I have too many other things to do. See, it's a difference of becoming a revolutionary or being religious. There was a quote I found this week that I thought was really good. I didn't read it in the first two services, but it's a bonus for the third service folks, right? It was this. In a revolutionary era, you you need to learn to think and act like a revolutionary. People in revolutions who don't act that way have a particular name, victims by Joshua Romo Cooper is what he said. And I think that's what happened is we live in a revolutionary time. It started with Jesus. He started a revolution of faith and hope and love and then gave gifts to his people to continue to be him while he was gone so this revolution of faith and hope and love would continue. But when we don't think and act like revolutionaries, like that we're on an actual mission to revolutionize the world for faith and hope and love, we become victims. And in the Christian circle, the victims is us. We become victims of religion where we come to church and leave and try to be good people and feel guilty and we come back and we really like sermons when the pastors get mad and yell at us because we felt so bad about how we did bad stuff all week so it's good to at least have the pastor tell us how bad we are and then we feel bad and then we leave and we do the same thing over and over again. And my life is about me becoming a better me and being more moral rather than me thinking to myself, what do I do well? How can I fulfill that role? All of a sudden, before you know it, I've got 60,000 bottles of shampoo that's helping thousands of families know that Jesus still loves them. Dotted line Davis, right? What if Christina had sat around all day and just thought about herself, I just need to stop doing bad stuff. Like, that's what I'm going to spend this week doing, just trying to stop doing bad stuff. Because I'll look more like Jesus when I've stopped doing bad stuff. No, no cussing. That's my goal for this week. And she would have come and journaled. I only used six cuss words this week, Jesus That's what I was born to be, a non-cusser. But let's be honest, like if you grew up in church or around it, if you didn't, maybe you don't know, but that's kind of what you heard sometimes, right? Like, yeah, I heard you cuss. You're a cusser. (laughs) I'm not saying we should have filthy mouths. My point is, are you seeing the difference in imagination? Christina dreamed an imagination about how Jesus could change the lives of people. And sometimes we boil it down to my greatest imagination is just that I would be a little better. We got to change our imagination. So let's unpack each role. This is going to get fun and awkward, which usually is two different things. But today they're together. All right. So 
I'm going to have you. I'm going to teach real quick each role. And if you can say, you know what? That sounds like me. You're going to get up and you're going to move to a portion of the room and sit with the other people that you think that might be me. Now, some of you were online and you went to fivefoldsurvey.com and you've already taken the assessment and you know maybe what you are, okay? If you didn't, you can go take the free assessment this week, fivefoldsurvey.com, or please, if you didn't, about 150 of you did, thank you very much, go to iambornto.be.com and download the free five-day devotional I put together. It's an audio course every day. You get a little devotional. It'll help you start taking some of these steps, so iambornto.be.com. And... If I, after all of this, you're still really inspired, in September, I'm launching a whole course called Spiritual DNA that you can take. We're also going to offer weekly online coaching now where you can get on some Facebook stuff and we'll do some online coaching to help you discover who you were born to be. So stoked about it, giving a lot of time to it. I think it's going to make a difference in your life. Anyway, I'm going to unpack these roles. And if you go, that kind of sounds like me, you're going to go. Now, listen, if you go to one of the first two stations and then the last one, you realize, no, that's more like me. No, you don't get any, no points are deducted from your score. You can move wherever else that you are, okay? Here's what's gonna happen. You're gonna move around and sit next to people you don't know and it's gonna be awkward for a minute. But right now, many of the people sitting next to you are just randoms that go to church with you. By the end of the day, you're going to be sitting next to someone who may have been created with the specific role and purpose on this earth like you, and you may connect with them and all of a sudden begin to dream and reimagine what life could look like, and who knows, you might get a connection like these two ladies sitting in the front row, and in a year from now, we'll be talking about how you two have changed the lives of thousands of people, and you might cuss less. Hard to know. (laughs) Apostles, you apostles in the room, that word comes from the Greek word apostolos, meaning the one who is sent out. You are sent out by God. The apostle is a visionary and pioneering person, and they provoke others to seek vision and start new things. They're vision focused. They're pioneering. They provoke others. They see new possibilities. Okay, words that describe them. Founder, visionary, imaginer, strengthens, initiates, excites, envisions other possibilities, right? At Mercy Road, you could be someone who wants to to go out and start new outposts or maybe be a part of starting this new service. we, we We may have sent out a ton of apostles already that have gone to some of the other church plants we've started with, uh, with Multiply Indiana, okay? You're people who don't want to build on old foundations. You want to bring new ground and pioneer new efforts. You're entrepreneurials, okay? In everyday life, you could be an entrepreneur, an explorer, a business-minded person like Bill Gates or Steve Jobs or FDR. If you think you might be an apostle, I want you to go right here, front row Joe's in Jane's, just in the front area. We may need to move some seats. If you think you might be apostolic, come over here. Come sit in the front. This won't be an enormous group because us apostolic people are a little crazy. And Jesus usually tries to keep the crazy down a little bit because if it was left to us, life would be on its ear. So, good. Apostles, grab a seat. Everybody grab a seat. All right, we're going to get back to you guys. Love you. Welcome to the insanity of our life, all right? Prophets, you prophets, you're people who hear and listen to God, foretelling and telling forth revelation from God. You understand the times and what people should do, and you provoke others to encounter God and to listen to him. Your role as a prophet in the church is not just foretelling the future, but actually being able to foretell... You basically, as a prophet, you have the ability to understand and and interpret the times, what's happening around you, and to listen to God and actually be able to then kind of say, this is what may happen in the future if we don't tend to what God is saying now, all right? So um, 
You love to run away to your, your watchtowers or like your prayer closets and you get a passion for what God is sharing and you get people into an intimate place where they can also hear from God. You enjoy being alone with God. Oftentimes you're an introvert. Word to describe you as a prophet. You're a, you wait, you like to, you're a seer, you're a warrior, a poet, an activist, an advocate. You like to retreat and get alone with God seeking his heart. In everyday life, you could be a visionary, a futurist, people who speak out their perceptions, Often the creative types, like poets, songwriters, rappers, filmmakers, people like Bono, Gandhi, Malcolm X, or Bob Dylan. Here at Mercy Road, you could be people who serve in the prayer room. You might be somebody who leads an outpost, or maybe you're on the worship team. Prophets, if you get together and you team up with an apostle, you can create great things together. Because the apostle was willing to really jump off any cliff to do something new for Jesus, but they really needed a prophet to go, wrong cliff, we're going to jump over here, okay? (laughs) If you think you might be prophetic, I want you to come to, uh, you're going to come right down here in the center. So we may need some more space. If you think you might be a prophet, head down to the front area. Now, here's what's happening as people that think they might be prophetic are moving to the front row. They're thinking to themselves, I have never in my life ever thought that I might be a prophet because that's weird and I have no imagination of what that could actually be in life. And I don't want to do the Old Testament stuff because some of those Old Testament prophets had to like lay on their left side for like a three years and it just got weird, okay? And I don't want to be weird. Well, you're probably going to be weird. Um, Prophets are so necessary because if God has created some people to become an expression of his heart that get alone and to hear from him and to know what he's saying and to be able to bring to a community people, here is what I feel like God's saying. If we don't have them, how disconnected are we from what he really wants to do in and through us? Prophets. All right. Evangelists. Keep it moving. Evangelist. Evangelist means bearer of good news. If you're an evangelist, you're one who brings good news and shares the message readily. Evangelists seek out and love spending time with non-Christians. They know the gospel and they know how to make it relevant to non-Christians. They provoke other Christians in their witness and give them boldness. Evangelists are recruiters to the cause. If you're an evangelist, your whole life you've been great at throwing parties and you usually have a big group of friends around your life. You don't know how you do it, it just happens. You're always inviting a lot of people and they like to hang out with you because you're an evangelist, okay? You gather people, you encourage... Where am I at here? Words to describe an evangelist. Enthusiastic, people gatherer, persuader, mobilizer, communicator. All right? Usually an extrovert. Evangelists in everyday life. You could be salespeople, enthusiastic storytellers, journalists, people like Oprah or Seth Godin or Bill Clinton. Okay? Here at Mercy Road, your role as an evangelist might just be your life. You just keep bringing people because they just gather around you and that's what you naturally want to do. It may even feel weird sometimes for you to go to church a lot because you want to be out spending time with people that don't currently know Jesus, okay? So you could also maybe be an outpost member, be the main PR firm for what's going on in your outpost. You might work on the social media team here interacting and be on the promote and gather people through social media. Maybe you'd be on the greeting team or the hospitality team because you love meeting new people, gathering them together and making them feel welcome, okay? Um, This week, 
Now, let me, let me gather the evangelists. I'm going to tell you a story about this week. If you think you might be an evangelist, uh, let's go. Have we seen anybody over here yet? No, no. Okay, evangelists, go to this front area. So if you think you're not an evangelist, you might find a different seat. But let's send the evangelists over there. These people are fun. You want to invite them to the, your party. Actually, they'll probably be inviting you to their party. They're a blast to hang out with. We love the evangelists. This week, I was down in Atlanta at a radio convention, and I met this 23-year-old girl from Charlotte. And she came up to me because I, I explained, I asked a question in one of the sessions about how to, how to be a radio show host because <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing um, because I'm an apostle. So I had an opportunity to pioneer new ground to take the kingdom out. And I said, yes, even though I have no idea how to be a radio host. So I went to try to learn this week. And I asked a question about it and said, I do this radio theology deal. And this girl came up to me and she was in tears. And she was like, I grew up as a pastor's kid. And then I walked away from the faith because I never really wanted to be around Christian people. I always wanted to go outside of the faith. But then like two years ago, I kind of declared myself agnostic. I didn't believe and, and I wasn't going to be a Christian. And she was like, but the weirdest thing, she said, I signed up to go on a missions trip to India and I wasn't a Christian. She was like, before I went on the trip, some crazy stuff happened and I came back to my faith. And then I went on the missions trip as a Christian. But why would someone go on a missions trip and not be a Christian? Because regardless if you have a relationship with Jesus or not, this is who you were created to be. So this girl can't help herself than to want to take good news to the world. Even when she didn't believe in Jesus, she was going to be an evangelist of good news in another country. And on the road of that, Jesus re-intercepted her life. And now she says, she's like, now I'm in this radio thing down in Charlotte. And I feel like now after talking to you, I said, you are an evangelist. That's why you're on earth. And she has tears streaming down her face because she started to get her mind around who maybe she was created and born to be. Evangelist, we need you. You gather people. Now, all of these crazies that are in the front row, the evangelists, the, pro the apostles, prophets, and evangelists, they're the apes, A-P-E, right? Nationally in the church today, they have no place because these guys will get with these guys and come up with a great idea. And they'll usually go to their church leadership and go, got a great idea. And the church leadership will be like, we didn't plan that, don't have that structured, we can't afford that, so good idea, sorry. And then you'll go start parachurch organizations. Then you'll get together with these crazy people and they'll get a big group of people to actually do that. Here's what's awesome about Mercy Road. If you're an apostle and a prophet and you get a heart and, 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 a, and a mission and, and, and something from God, he expands your imagination and you get some evangelists to help you get it going, Mercy Road will actually give you money to go start that dream and to pursue something that can reshape the imagination of what's happening in our city. They're called outposts, okay? Like Dotted Line Divas, like what Rich is doing with wrestling theology, right? That's why I love, and I want you to know you're at a unique place in the kingdom where we're allowing everybody to play and cool stuff's happening, right? Evangelists, evangelists. Okay, shepherds, here we go, keep moving. A shepherd is one who shepherds people, cares for others with a tender heart and sees the needs and potential of others. They confront as well as comfort people. Pastors or shepherds long to see Christians grow to their full potential and they can easily empathize with others and stimulate them to care, okay? Words that describe a shepherd, they're a caregiver, a defender, a peacemaker, a servant. In everyday life, they can be a counselor, a parent, a social worker, a nurse, a life coach, 
People like Nelson Mandela or Mother Teresa here at Mercy Road, they could be an outpost leader. They could be a youth ministry leader. They could be a huddle leader. They could be on the prayer team. They could be in the, the, the children's ministry. They could really be in any role just caring for relationships. If you think you might be a shepherd, I want you to go back to this area over here. Anybody that might be a shepherd, head right back over here, okay? Shepherds. Let's see if this works out like it did all day. All day, the majority of people have moved to be shepherds. And if you can look right now, there's a lot of people moving back to be shepherds, okay? Now, here's what I want you to see. If the kingdom of God is about relationships and everything else is just details, wouldn't it make sense that God would create a majority of people to be pastors and shepherds to care for relationships, right? Doesn't that make sense? Then follow this. Wouldn't it also make sense to be the devil's greatest strategy to take, just take a look. See all those people back there, guys? See all of them? They're all pastors or shepherds in the kingdom of God. Wouldn't it be the devil's greatest strategy to make all of those people think they couldn't do it because they're not me? Well, you're Pastor Darren. Who cares, okay? I talk. That's basically what I do. Like, that's my role in the kingdom of God. I talk well. Thank God there's a role for that because I can do nothing else very well in life, okay? But all of you are as equal as a pastor because you are a pastor. And we have to empower ourselves to change our imagination to realize this isn't about the professional institutionalized guy with the job. It's about you becoming Jesus as a shepherd and pastor. Most people don't even like it when we say the word pastor associated with this because they're like, I'm not trying to preach or run a church. But if you just look at their life, just by my descriptions, they self-identified, I do that really well. Yeah, because that's how you're Jesus to your world and the world desperately needs people to shepherd and pastor them. Gotta, gotta expand our imagination. Lastly, teachers, you are people who grasp truth. You're excited about it and you hold it out for others to receive it. You provoke others to explore truth. Tr uh, teachers in the church, they love to grasp truth. They get excited by it. They hold it out for others. They believe the truth will set you free. They enjoy studying and reading the scriptures. They love coaching and enlightening people through the revelation of God. Words that describe them, a sage, a thinker, an observer, a philosopher. They train, they coach, they instruct, they challenge, they enlighten people. In everyday life, they could be a lecturer, a trainer, a coach, a demonstrator, or even maybe a teacher, right? They love to learn, and they can make the complex simple. They're like Socrates, Einstein, or maybe Yoda, right? If you're a teacher, you have read every instruction manual of everything you've ever owned, right? And when things go wrong, people say, hey, do you know how this DVD works? And you say, well, actually, uh, what happens here is the RCA cables come together with the flux capacitor and uh, it makes this thing happen. And somebody goes, oh, it makes sense, okay? If you think you might be a teacher, come back over to this side of the room in this back area. You think you might be a teacher. Awesome, awesome. It's funny, Ryan Allworth helps me host Radio Theology. He's discovered that he's a teacher and a big part of his life makes sense because we, we make fun of him on air and say that we have these nerd alert moments where we'll be talking about something and Ryan will literally push up his fake glasses that he's not wearing and go, uh, guys, well, actually, uh, and then he'll teach us something that we didn't know. 
So a lot of times he has massive amounts of useless information that then eventually becomes useful and he teaches people stuff. Now here, wouldn't this make sense? Watch what could happen here. If this is what Jesus is doing, just look around the room, okay? We come in here every week and we sit next to each other and we listen to a guy talk for 30 minutes and we sing songs. And the people sitting next to you are just randoms. You meet him for 45 seconds. Uh, I forgot your name last week too, sorry. <laughs> and maybe not until right now have you began to imagine, wait a second, we're not just people that go to this church. We're people given a role to fulfill on this earth. And if we got together and said, Jesus, would you reimagine how we make an impact that everybody would get to play? And I promise you, go study church history because it's been around for 2,000 years. You know what happens when we get serious about this? Jesus starts changing cities, countries, continents, the world begins to change, and he's just waiting for people willing to expand their imagination and become revolutionaries. So here's your three-part challenge, and we're done. Discover. Discover if what you think is true is true. Fivefoldsurvey.com, go take the free test. Iamborntobe.com, take the 5J Jumpstart to Purpose. Spiritual DNA launches in September. Consider taking it and getting some online coaching with us, okay? All that information will be on the website. I'll be on Facebook Live tomorrow. We can talk more about it. Discover who you were born to be, okay? Decide to actually go after that. Stop wasting your life. Last part is actually do it. And what I can't wait to do is to be a part of this community and other ones who we're not just telling a couple stories like Dotted Line Divas, but we're telling hundreds of stories that will be told for thousands more years because Jesus was doing great things. And through your life, becoming who you were born to be, Jesus was filling the city with his fullness. Jesus, thank you so much for today. Thank you for this truth. Expand our imagination to discover if this is true about us, to actually decide to go after it and then blow us away by what happens as we become who we were born to be. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.